Welcome to day 22 of Shaped by the Word. I'm here with Katie Kresge and Matt Kresge. I usually say Matt Kresge first, said Katie Kresge first this time. <laughs> I don't know if it makes any difference. It does. Uh, but Katie's smiling. Uh, we're reading through the Gospel of Luke, and uh, it has been a rich read. All of the Gospel writers uh, shape their material in order to give you a vision of Jesus as a fulfillment of the Old Testament Scripture, and Luke does a fantastic job. One of the unique features of the Gospels is the Gospels, we've said before, are not strictly biographies, are not strictly histories. They're, they're theologies you know, that contain you know, the story of Jesus and are grounded deeply in history. Um, but one of the features of the Gospels is they spend far more time on the last uh, year and the last week of Jesus' life than they do his entire ministry. They turn uh, rapidly toward the cross. So in Luke, in, cha- in chapter 9, verse 51, we had a major turning point. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So uh, the section we're in is Jesus headed to Jerusalem and the ministry that takes place along the way. This will be one of the least organized sections of Luke's teaching. It kind of has that feel of moving from town to town, moving from encounter to counter. And it'll go all the way up to chapter 19 and chapter 19 through 24. Uh, will take us through the cross. So before we dive into chapter 10, uh, why don't we offer ourselves in this moment to the Lord. Matt, do you mind yeah, uh, leading us in prayer? Yep. Father, we do um, offer ourselves to you in this time, and we pray that you would use it um, abundantly for our transformation and for your glory. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that every time we open it, you speak. And so we ask um, again for you to give us wisdom, ears to hear what you have spoken. Um, we thank you for this time. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him into every town and place where he was about to go. He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcome to eat what is offered to you, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it would be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. It would be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the heavens? No, you will go down to the grave. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me. But whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. 
Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then he returned and then he turned to his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see but did not see it, and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Mm-hmm. On one occasion an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? he replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levi, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Mm. What a fantastic way to end the reading today. Choose what is good, and it will not uh, be taken away from you. So there's a lot of interesting things that happen as Jesus, you know, goes on the road the 12 have all of a sudden turned into 72 we have no idea you know the number you know of people that were following jesus sometimes they're up to 150 uh you know sometimes they're in the in the thousands uh but these are 72 that he has sent out you know katie was talking you know just before we did the 72 traditionally is a number that's also been associated with uh, the elders, you know, that uh, Moses appointed in the wilderness. So you see symbolism, you know, coming over from the Old Testament and being fulfilled in the New Testament mm-hmm. uh, in, a lot of, in a lot of rich ways. Uh, they come back, they're, they're thrilled at the power that God has given them yeah. over demons and over disease. Yeah. And Jesus kind of moves them in another direction. Yeah. Yeah, he says don't rejoice that you can do these things or you know demons flee rejoice that your name's written in heaven. And I mean, we think of like other times where we hear Jesus teach and even on the sermon on the mount he reminds them, you know, there'll be many who say, "Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name." Yeah. And I'll say, "Depart from me, I never knew you." You know, mm-hmm. those are I think those are like chilling words for us because those are hard words to hear. How could and, they even be true? Yeah. I mean, how mm-hmm. could you cast out demons? How could you prophesy? How could you do miracles in his name? And have no idea who he is. Yeah, I never knew you. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what they come back. They come back, you know. And this is disciples of Jesus, but they're boasting and man, look at all these things we've done in the name of Jesus. And 
I think, I mean, it's so easy for us, you know, just for me to even kind of think, man, look at what, look what I'm doing for Jesus or look what is happening. Look at the ministry that, you know, is taking place or even just like, man, look at the way that I'm following him. Mm-hmm. And Jesus would come back even to me as I hear this and say, don't rejoice in the things that you do in my name. Right. Although they, they are fruit, right. you know, right. a, a, a greater reality and the greater reality is that your name is written in heaven. Uh, but even the fruits of our ministry are grace gifts. Yeah. Uh, you know, done in and through his his power. Mm-hmm. So don't rejoice at the sacrifices that you've made for me, but the sacrifice that, you know, yeah. I've I've made for you. Yeah. And, you know, what a wonderful reminder that the real power of the kingdom is not in these outward signs of miracles and casting out demons. This is just a reminder that the kingdom has come near mm-hmm. yeah. and the world is being reconciled to God and being restored to God. But the greatest miracle of the kingdom is the miracle of the transformed life that brings us into relationship with God mm-hmm. through the power of the gospel. Yeah, and I, I had, have never really felt the power of their names being written in heaven until I read Revelation just recently. And just um, the amazing, I mean, the amazing gift of, of being a part of of the people, um, the crowd, I mean, it's a bigger word than crowd, like Multitude. it's multitudes of people who have been saved, the saints, right? Thanks, Matt. Um, yeah, this, the multitude of saints that are singing praises in white robes and, and then of course the, the book of life, um, being opened and, and your name being written on that. I mean, to rejoice that your name is written in that book that, I don't know, I feel like just having read Revelation really brings that verse to life to me personally uh, uh, no doubt uh, reading reading through revelation was a great experience mm-hmm. but uh, not only written in the lamb's book uh but uh, written before the foundation of the time yeah. Yeah. in yeah. the lamb's book well, and discover your name written yeah. there well and i love like even in the contrast in this passage you know he says the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few and i love just the imagery he paints there it's the lord's harvest it's the one who sends you know he's the one who sends workers into his harvest and so we go before him, and, and prayer is a great work, asking the Lord to send workers. Mm. But then he says, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Like, that's not, uh, you don't have to know a lot about animals to know that's not a good thing. You <laughs> yeah. know, and, and for him to say, hey, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, you're thinking, okay, this doesn't seem to go well. And then he begins to tell you where you're going, and, you know, he starts saying, woe to you, Corzin. And, yeah. And casting, you know, it's like, well, this is not going to end well. And then you get to that kind of this security where your name's written in heaven, you know, regardless mm-hmm. of earthly security or those sort of things, there's a greater secu- security in the reality that our name's written in heaven. Yeah. That's comforting. And uh, not only, you know, am I sending you out, you know, like a lambs among wolves, but uh, you don't have any extra money, you don't mm-hmm. have any extra food, uh, you are completely, you know, dependent on me mm-hmm. in your ministry, you know, as you go out. And then, of course, we have, you know, the teacher of the law questioning him. And this is one of the unique stories in Luke, uh, the parable of uh, the Good Samaritan, which really brings home, uh, you know, what it means to love God and what it means to, uh, you know, show mercy Mm -hmm. and and to love others. So fantastic story. So Jesus has three uh, major players in the story, a priest, a Levite, and, and a Samaritan. Mm. And you can almost feel his uh, audience tense up at the very mention of a Samaritan. Yeah. You know, what is he doing in the story? He has to be the villain of the story. But Jesus reverses it. Yeah. You would have expected him to tell a parable about, uh, you know, someone magnanimously reaching beyond boundaries, you know, to a Samaritan. 
But instead of giving the Jewish people as an example of one of God's great mercy, he picks someone that was an outsider, you know, to them. Mm-hmm. And, and the story comes yeah. home in a wonderful place. And I think that the question that this teacher of the law asks Jesus is a question that we are constantly asking, who is my neighbor? Like even believers are asking, okay, who is my yeah, neighbor? Who, who am I really supposed to love? Because there's got to be some people that I, that I don't have to love, right? If you set the boundaries, you know, in a nice enough place, then it's not a burden. Yeah. And that's what Jesus said in you in the Sermon on the Mount. If you love only those who love you, what credit is mm-hmm. that to you? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's that idea. So it's an expansive, you know, it's a very expansive definition. Yeah, and, and it's not only just, you know, who's my neighbor. He be, he turns it inward to this man and says, what kind of neighbor are you? And, and kind of that scandalous reversal of the Samaritan is closer to the inheriting eternal life than, you know, the Jew just by nature of being right. a Jew. You know, that's for, you were saying earlier, I mean, for them to hear this in that moment, for the Samaritan to be closer and is shocking. Yeah, and you'll notice whenever Jesus said, which one of them was a neighbor? Uh, the answer he would have been the Samaritan. Right. Yeah. He, he just said the it. one who the showed one. him mercy. <laughs> he said, "Okay, yeah. you go do you, you go do the same." Yeah. Of course, we're going to have to uh, you know, move from here quickly into the house of Mary and Martha. So I'm, I'm guessing, Katie, you have some thoughts. Oh man, there. <laughs> I have resonated with this passage since my teen years for sure because I'm one who who wants to do and wants to make things look right and um, feel right. And so, yeah, just um, as I mature in my faith and as I get older, I see more and more the value of being a Mary, being like Mary who recognized the prize. You know, he was her prize. And it makes me emotional to think about it, but he is our prize. and, And are we are we truly seeing him that way? And is that affecting how we live our lives? Because if he is our prize, then we're, our whole day is going to shift, mm-hmm. you know, from from what we do. Yeah, and yeah, there's no doubt. There's a question, do we jump into our busyness or do we fall at his feet? Yeah. And, uh, you know, listen to and hang on every word he says. And, of course, this is also a mega theme for Luke. Uh, this would have been scandalous had a Pharisee walked by and looked in the mm-hmm. door and saw this young lady sitting at the feet learning from a rabbi that was a privilege reserved for men. Mm-hmm. And he is inviting her to be a disciple, and not only inviting her to be a disciple, but commending her for her choice uh, of loving God's word. And, of course, what he, you know, what he says is, you're worried and distracted by many things. And we've already gone back to, you know, the parable of the soils that uh, our distractions are what keep us from maturing mm-hmm. in Christ. Um, Mary has chosen what is best. Mm-hmm. And because she's chosen what is best, it's not going to be taken away from her. Mm-hmm. So many things in this life we can lose. One thing we can never lose is the grace we find at the feet of our Lord. Amen. Well, that's a fun passage. There's much more there that we, we could talk about, but you're going to find this everywhere you turn in the, in the book of uh, Luke. Uh, Katie, do you mind closing us with sure. a word of prayer? Father, thank you so much for these words. Um, thank you for the reminder that, um, that we have been given such grace um, that you have written our names in, in your book, the book of life. And... Um, Help us to live our lives focused 
and centered on you, our prize, our Savior, our Redeemer. Um, and as we draw closer to you, we know um, because we're told in your word that you draw near to us. And so thank you for your faithfulness in that. I pray that you would continue to change us, change our hearts to look more like your son. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.